managed to actually um, but practice brushing my teeth on, on one leg and then moving my other leg around to help with my balance just to, before I would sort of set out for the day and start doing the, the real training. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Hello and welcome back. Episode number three and part two with Jason Sklenar. Now, I'm not going to waste too much of your time here. I want to get straight back into this because this second part is absolutely fascinating. It's great to hear in episode two about Jason, how he prepped for his Olympics, how he how he competed, how he traveled. Fantastic stories. But now we're getting into the real nitty gritty stuff of how he stayed fit and healthy in his 40s, how he's living a good life with his family while still looking after himself and still running a business as well. So... We're going to get straight into it. As always, guys, if you can head over to to your podcast platforms, your iTunes, your Stitches, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review if you're liking what you hear. It'd be absolutely fantastic. Really helps the podcast in the future as well. So here we go then, part two with Jason Slenner. Now, what I'd like to start with today, I'd I'd like to know how do you maintain your your training, your, your health and your fitness when you're not training for a big event? Oh, yeah, it's another good one. You're good at firing these questions. Um, I think, if I'm honest, I, I do struggle if I don't have an event or something that I've um, got in the calendar. Um, I spent a couple of years living in America uh, with my wife and kids and and kind of found myself not stagnating, but I ended up, you know, going to the gym and going out and doing runs and stuff. And then I felt like I almost did get into a bit of a rut. Um, and because I've always been competitive, um, you know, my wife then turned around and just said, well, why don't you get stuck into doing some triathlon or some races uh, you've always wanted to? So I suppose to answer your question, I, I do normally need a motivator, be it an event or a new you know, a new challenge. Um, and that could be anything like, for example, I actually had one of my friends was doing, um, challenged himself to cycle up my one, two in France three times in one day. There's three different routes you can, you can do to get up it. And, um, I mean, it's crazy just to do it once, let alone to try and do it three mm-hmm. times in one day. But, um, all of a sudden I thought, oh, that's, yeah, that's good. And that isn't a race. That isn't, you know, you're only really against yourself again, but you know, all of a sudden I was invigorated to get out on the bike and, you know, find, find some training mojo again. So I do, I do laps like most people. Um, I've actually in one at the moment, if I'm honest, um, traveling and, you know, in and out of, um, um, various sort of accommodation and, and backpacks. It, it, you know, I, I do find it hard sometimes with, with the kids and that to suddenly go, right, I'm going to get up and going to go and smash 20 minutes. But it isn't until I do it that I suddenly go, yeah, I needed that. And that then is the motivation to do it the next time or the next day or whatever. So, yeah, um, yeah I guess I'm human like anyone else. Um, you have those little relapses and it's, it's good to either have somebody 
who can support you. Yeah. Be it your coach, your partner, your friends, a training group. And I do, I do advocate that. I had a, a really good training partner in the UK that lived just down the road and we quite often would go Sunday morning and I go, Oh really? And he's like, come on. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And you know, that's all I needed, but that, that was, you know, that was a good motivator. Um, and always felt better for it, you know, uh, be, it, be it probably a day after them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Sometimes you just need someone just, just to kick you out of bed, don't you? Just to, just to get you going sometimes. Yeah, I think so. I think even probably even, uh, you know, the top coaches or the top uh, motivators in the world, if they were really honest, um, there's definitely days where, you, you know, you either plateau or you stagnate either for doing the same thing or not having variety and then you just need that little nudge and I think the, sometimes the longer you leave it obviously that's when it becomes harder to get going again um, and so actually this morning I you know actually got my exercise mat out and did some exercises just after dropping the kids off to school and thought nah, okay well, I'm going to do a bit more tomorrow blah, blah, or even tonight so you know I, I, yeah it's funny you ask because I've had a couple of a couple of very easy weeks for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked just just before coming coming onto the podcast. We talked about the small the small changes or the small things that people can do daily to to help themselves to maintain their health and fitness. What would you say are the even when you're in a bit of a lull physically? What are the small things you can do on a daily basis to make sure that you're staying fit and healthy? Yeah, another good question, actually. Um, well. Really, really random one actually. I went to a really good um, seminar down in uh, before before we left the, the UK um, in in London down at the King's College, and um, a friend of mine was doing um, a keynote on on how to get people more active. And he said, you know, he basically was saying, yeah, for sure, you know, it's it's hard when people have busy lives, and um, um, you know. Fairly sedentary lifestyle or or work um, um, environment, and he said something as simple as standing up and doing three squats whilst kind of near your office chair is enough to um, you know send a signal to the brain to uh, elicit you know the activation of hormones and other compounds that will stop you from feeling hungry and also keep your, your metabolism going. And he said, just think of it the same as the eye strain thing. You know, a lot of office workers nowadays, you know, they, they know about having to look away from the screen or the people might have um, a timer to do that. And he said, all he does is every time his timer for his eye strain thing goes off, he, he does three squats. And he says, he looks like a complete lunatic, but <laughs> he gets motivated and, and, and busy. So I think there's lots of little things like that, like for, for me, um, you know, for me, I, I have to get up early and do something, otherwise it doesn't get done. And I, I had a really good video I used to use for uh, my own keynote speeches, and it's basically, cut a long story short, at the end of the video, it's got a picture of this alarm clock ringing that pops up is, why did you set the alarm clock in the first place? And whenever my alarm goes off now, if it goes off a little bit earlier than I um, had maybe uh, planned, you know, as in like, you know, the night before, I'm going to get up early, I'm going to do a few exercises. 
I always had good intention. So in the morning when it goes up, I have this little seed of thought that sprouts and it's like, mm, you kind of set that for a reason, didn't you? How many days are you going to reach over and just switch it off again? Uh, or are you going to make a difference uh, today? And, you know, you and I chatted um, offline a little bit about that. It's, it's those little things that you do um, that eventually build up, you know, to in, improve your motivation or improve your health or your fitness, your well-being, and or even your sort of mental state. So um, I don't think I have about any hard, fast rules, but just like little reminders, you know, or even my kids, you know, my kids are pretty good. They'd be like, come on, daddy, you know, you know, let's go and play tag. And, you know, I'm not going to pretend I'm some sort of superhuman, keep fitness dad. I'm not, you know, there's times where I just want to sit on the sofa and watch some mindless TV and, <laughs> and eat junk food. But having kids as well keeps you busy. So for all those out there, they've got that, they know for well, um, running after kids keeps you busy. So, I sometimes, you know, if I'm feeling a bit lazy and the kids are saying, can we play tag? I go out and I, I, I actually play proper tag where I will chase them down as fast as I can. And then I'll stop, give them 10 seconds to go again and chase them down again. And it's amazing. You know, you spend five, 10 minutes doing that. You've done your cardio for the day. Yeah. A little, little bit of a tag hit session going on there with the kids. I like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember once Stephen traveling, um, this was a while back now because it was when my oldest was quite young. I was led on the floor and I was just trying to be a bit lazy. And she sat on me and she goes, she turned around and she said, come on, daddy, push up. And I thought, oh, I wonder if I could. And then all of a sudden, you know, had this uh, additional weight on me, you know, pushed out 10, I think it was 10 push-ups. That was enough just to <laughs> get, the, get the day underway. So yeah, yeah. it's just quite a good one. I, I don't know. I don't know if I've got the the ultimate answer i think you've got to find little things here and there and i remember um going up to a university uh one of the universities i used to go to um prior again to leaving the uk and what they had done is they wrote on every step in the university how many calories you would burn if you actually walked up them and uh, i thought a little thing like that was good you know it's like that's all it takes is to you know go up and down the stairs a couple of times. You know, instead of getting on the escalator, go up the stairs, um, or instead of getting on the in the lift. Um, you know, there's there's so many different things people can do. Um, getting off one stop early on the tube, or you know, trying to bike to work. Uh, I know that's it's dependent a bit on on weather and things like that. But um, yeah, you've got to find those little things, haven't you? You've got to be able to fit it in in and around your day. Um, you know, doing some squats with your youngest child whilst in the bathroom brushing your teeth. I don't know, multitask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even, yeah. I, I mean, I've done that before, Funded. I've just tried to hold a squat while you're brushing your teeth. You're brushing your teeth for three yeah, or four exactly. minutes. If you try to hold a squat for three or four minutes, you, you know you've done some work. Yeah. yeah, I like that one, actually. I'll, try, I'll give that one a go. I don't know thought of that one, holding one. Holding yeah, it's tough. Squat, yeah. It's tough. First thing, yeah. you imagine you brush your teeth first thing in the morning. You're not quite awake yet. Your muscles haven't woken up and you're trying to hold a squat. It's, uh, it's not easy. <laughs> Um, yeah, I used to, it's funny sex, I used to, when I was an athlete, I used to actually um, br practice brushing my teeth on, on one leg and then moving my other leg around to help with my balance just to, before I would sort of set out for the day and start doing the, the real training. And yeah, it's funny now you say that, I, it, I recall doing some pretty, um, pretty uh, creative things with, uh, with the training.
Yeah, you've, you've got to get creative. Use, you, like you say, use, use your kids, do, do different things. It's going to be different for everyone, but I think we can, just, we can all do little things throughout the course of the day. You've got, you've got 24 hours in the day. We've all got the same amount of time. Let's just try and fill 30 seconds here and there with a bit of activity. And, and like you say, it transitions to your mind as well, keeps you, keeps you thinking, keeps you fit, keeps you healthy. All is good. So yeah, going, going back a little bit to, to the previous day's podcast, what, what was the trigger for you when you retired as an athlete and then you transitioned into coaching? Was, was there a definitive moment for you that you kind of thought, I've, you know, I, need, I need to give this up? I know when I, when I retired from hockey, I tore my ligaments in, my, in the same ankle about three or four times and I just thought, you know what, enough is enough. I'm, I'm 30, I think I was 36 when I retired can't keep doing this forever did you have a similar sort of moment or did it just naturally progress from athlete to coach uh, no I think I had a, a defining moment a little bit like you and I think unfortunately that was um, uh, injury injury um, related um, I was I think I was 32 33 and when I look back on it I probably was at the at the prime of my athlete or the potential of my athlete career in in at least in my sport um but unfortunately part of the body wasn't wasn't holding up um and as we alluded to yesterday we didn't have a great deal of support um or funding for external support and so i found myself after the two 2002 olympics um after having all of the support and all of the back in and the clothes and the gear and the physios you know we went back to you know a fairly skeleton existence and, and not having the regular physio and and massage and, and not as much as i realized my body needed to keep going um <laughs> And look on, looking back on it, I do think there was definitely a, a contributing factor um, in that, which was probably a not uh, not enough of um, prehab, um, you know, in, in prevention. Um, and that, you know, that's much my fault. Is it is my coaches maybe not realizing how important it was at the time and all that sort of stuff. So I basically had a, a lower back um, problem, and. Um, it kept forcing me to, you know, miss training and, and stuff like that. And I just, I remember getting it checked out and, you know, the specialist in London saying, well, this, this isn't going to get any better. And if you don't have the means to manage it, it's only going to get worse. So at that point, um, you know, I looked at it and I thought, can I go another four years? You know, where am I on the result sheet? And, you know, do I think I can get any better? And I think at the time I, I looked at it and I, we discussed this a little bit yesterday, I, I was content that I'd put everything into it and I thought, well, you know, that's where I am. And of course, the perfect race I might have squeezed in in the, the top five. Um, however, you know, obviously age ticking away and other things that I wanted for, to fulfill, um, I found that we, we had even... Um, less support than in previous years and and um and i had an opportunity then presented itself to look into doing some coaching so um yeah kind of the stars aligned i suppose in some weird way <laughs> yeah it's, it doesn't doesn't seem like that at the time though does it when, when it's happening but uh, when you look back you can see it that way maybe i remember yeah, that's true i mean um 
Yeah, sorry, go on, you were going to say. I was just going to say, you said about the lack of, um, like the lack of uh, support behind you, like the, the therapists and, and the, the, yeah, looking after your body, the funding wasn't there and you didn't have the team around you. It was the same for me. And I remember when I, when I tore my ligaments for the very last time, you know, the ice packs you get, the emergency ones that you, you break and they mix yeah. together. I remember, I remember taping one of them to my ankle mid-game just to get me through to the end of the game. And I thought that, that was it. I remember rolling my sock up, taping this, this ice pack to my ankle. And when I, when I took it all off at the end, I, I couldn't get my shoe off and my ankle had swollen. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? This, this was midway through the season. I, I can't carry on like this. And yeah, it was yeah. disappointing at the time. But then I'd started coaching a little bit before then as well. And it just, yeah. Now you look back, you think that was the right time to naturally transition. But at the time, it was, it was devastating for me. But Yeah, I'm not going to lie and say that, you know, there's been many times um you know where i've looked back on it and thought oh i definitely should have done more and i and i suppose a little bit like we talked about yesterday you know if i knew then what i know now i i would have continued um but everything in perspective i didn't know it you know techniques and therapy and uh prehab wasn't as good um then as it is now um i definitely look at it now and think what i do just for for um, shits and giggles, then I could easily have continued. You know, I, I, I'm involved in doing triathlons and Ironmans and stuff like that. So I wouldn't say that's easy um, by any stretch of the imagination. And I look at it, and I, I just know how to manage it all better now. You know, I know what exercises to do to make sure I don't get a back issue. I, I know when my back's starting to feel like um, it's a bit under strain. Uh, and all those sort of things. And the irony with it all is, you know, as you get older and wiser and more experienced in sport and, and exercising, um, what you lose in your competitive edge, you, you gain probably in the sort of know-how of how to manage yourself. It's a real shame that you can't kind of do some sort of matrix plug-in and that as soon as you become an athlete, you get, you get all this wisdom and knowledge on day one. And um, you know, you know how to do it all, or you've got someone that can show you, mentor you, and guide you. I guess that's what a lot of the top teams are able to do, um, you know, with the money. Although, what I would say is that, you know, looking at online material and university degrees, you know, the the sort of standard of sports science, sports medicine, and the the whole the whole sort of technological aspects that go with it is phenomenal. You know. Um, I remember chatting to an old colleague of mine and we were both saying, God, you know, to be an athlete in this day and age, you know, is it harder or is it easier? Because, it, you know, all the information's out there, really. Um, you know, I was Googling all sorts of weird things the other day to work out how to, how to get certain anti-inflammatories uh, over here in Vietnam. And of course, you can get, you know, Google Translate and I'll oh, go and find this plant and that is such and such in Vietnam. And, you know, there's it's nothing you can't do, really. So I think being an athlete nowadays, um, although we were both agreeing probably back in our day, not having the support and having to grin and bear injuries, nowadays you've got all that uh, information out there. So does that in itself make being an athlete that little bit Tough, yeah, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Every t- every team has got it, um, so it doesn't really set you apart. You know what you can Google, everyone else can, and what your doctors are telling you, every other doctor is telling someone else. So, although the yeah, exactly. better, you're probably all yeah. on a level playing field to a certain degree. 
Yeah, and I, ironically, it, it goes back to I said uh, to you just now. Recently, um, put an article up on LinkedIn about um, you know the, the basics, getting the basics right because you know we do have all this information out there and all out there doing this marginal gains and buying the best kit, but it's phenomenal how many people start now to overlook those basics or even getting a good coach. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a you know. Um, training um partner or another set of eyes to look at look at you and so say oh you look like you're stretching a little bit there mate or where um you know young athletes that i'm getting they they know a lot more about what to eat how to train when to train but then it's almost like they overlook some of the simple things like getting enough sleep yeah um you know because they're glued to their their phone which don't get me wrong i am as well but very few people realize that most electronic devices uh, emit blue light and blue light raises, um, you know, the serotonin and the serotonin keeps you awake. Um, um, you know, okay, that's gone into a bit of the science behind it, but, you know, that's a simple thing. Put your phone down a little bit earlier, you'll get to sleep easier. Yeah, that's <laughs> you right. Know, it's, not, um, it's something I've talked about a lot in the past as well, the blue light and giving yourself a bit of a digital detox before bed. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's a small bit of advice, but it's a huge bit of advice at the same time. Yeah, so, well, a top tip on there is you, there is a setting on your phone to reduce the, the, emitting, the emittance of blue light, but I don't know if people know that. So there you go. No, Squeeze that pro- probably not. A lot of people do. Um, okay, so we're, we're getting to the end of, of part two, and you have just alluded there, or you just mentioned that you're actually in Vietnam at the minute. Now, you're on, yeah. you're on what you called a life adventure with your family, aren't you? Yeah, I have to say that because, you know, obviously a lot of my mates and families back home uh, are like, oh, you're on this one great big holiday. Uh, don't get me wrong, there's definitely aspects of it that, that it is still a holiday. Um, but traveling with three kids uh, around Southeast Asia, uh, Asia, it's definitely an adventure that has its ups and downs as well as its, uh, its uh, you know, sweet, sweet spots. Um, but yeah, my wife and I decided that we would uh, try and give our kids a different um, outlook of it all. And we packed up our house, uh, packed everything we could into f- uh, two uh, backpacks and uh, currently navigating around uh, Southeast Asia uh, on our way to uh, New Zealand. Very good. It, sound, it sounds a great thing to do. And I'm sure the kids are, I'm sure the kids are loving it and I'm sure they're going to grow up as, as richer people for the adventure as well. Yeah, they do. They love it. I mean, we're literally about to leave uh, Vietnam and my uh, eldest daughter that's been going to a kind of, um, I wouldn't call it a school, but they definitely do a sort of bit of um, abstract learning and everything from, you know, doing some yoga in the morning to learn how to grow and plant things. And they've still got their maths and English stuck in there, but she turned around to me and she said she didn't want to leave. So, <laughs> that's when I knew we might be have stayed here too long. So uh, we've been here for like four or five weeks. Um, but it is, it's, it's good. I recommend it um, to anyone that's fairly adventurous and even those that aren't um, to, to maybe look at it. Um, it's not for the faint hearted. I, I would definitely say um, definitely times where you're wondering about where the, the next sort of uh, paycheck might come in and cover your expenses to, or have not, you're uh, going 
going to bear the sort of bad weather of a monsoon in a certain area. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's all part of life though, isn't it? It's, uh, I hope one day my kids look back on it and go, Oh, that was fantastic. There's days they definitely, uh, um, raise their eyebrows at uh, me and my wife. Um, but you know, that's all part and parcel of it. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It gets us out the four walls and gets us away from the nine to five living, which is, which is never a bad thing. So just no, before definitely. we wrap up then, what, I'd just like to get one bit of advice from you, Jason, that you could, you could give the listeners that they can, they can take away today and, and just improve their health and their fitness and their well-being. One, one, there has to be a tiny bit of advice, but something they can take away and do today to improve themselves. What do you reckon? Um, well, I'm, as I get older, I think that I'm more and more uh, an advocate of uh, the new sort of nutrition side of it. And, uh, just to put things in perspective, you know, I, I had a couple of beers and a pizza myself last night, so I'm not going to try and preach the, um, you know, take away all the things that you enjoy. But I think a little and often is got to be the golden rule, hasn't it? And that, that, that kind of stems well with most things. If you try to do a little bit and often, then you're definitely going to be put, putting the right foot forward. And I mean that in terms of trying to do a little bit of stuff to keep you fit. Well, that is nothing short of amazing. I did say before we started that, that was going to be awesome. And it really, really was. I, I love the hints. I love the tips. I love how Jason's staying fit and healthy. And not just for day-to-day life, which we could all get something from, but how he's staying so active as well, you know, competing in triathlons for GB, working towards his first Ironman. I think it's absolutely fantastic what we could all do a little bit later in life. I'm hesitant to say that because at 40... 47, 48, Jason is not old by any stretch, but you know, as we move through life and we start to get to what you might call midlife, it's no reason for us to slow down. There's no reason to suddenly feel our life is over and you know, this is the way it's gonna be, our health's just gonna deteriorate. It's absolute nonsense. It is never too late to start looking after yourself. And you look at some people all over the world that are competing in marathons and triathlons at 70, 80, 90 years old, it is never ever too late okay it's just a perception you have of yourself your body is capable of amazing things it's just your mind that you have to convince and i think what i'm getting from that episode the most is the fact that jason is living a very normal life now like he said you know he's just he had a pizza and you know he's he's maybe gone a few days without training but he knows that he can't do that forever if he wants to stay fit and healthy so it's about doing small things every day, the balancing while you're brushing your teeth, squatting while you're brushing your teeth, fantastic tips. We all brush our teeth. We could all do something more with that time. And it's just little bits and pieces here and there that make a big, big difference. Okay, you might not be wanting to compete in an Ironman or a triathlon or go to the Olympics, but I guarantee you don't wanna have joint pain when you're older. You don't have diabetes and high cholesterol. Okay, so small things every day is what I'm getting from this episode. And if we can all do that, we're all going to stay fit and healthy long into our retirement years. Now, coming up in episode number four, I have a real treat for you. And I have a little bit of a secret to give away at the start of episode four as well. Okay, it isn't quite how I planned it to be. So tune into episode four to find out exactly what I mean. But it is episodes four and five are going to blow you away. How do I know that? Because they did it to me. That's how I know. So come back, episode four. That's going to be up on, on your podcast platforms now and your iTunes, your Stitcher. 
go and grab it. It's with a beautiful lady from Sweden and you are going to have a fantastic time listening to those two episodes. Take care, guys. Be happy. And I see you again in episode four.